Yo, Big D back with a Thursday episode of the Big D Podcast. Before I bring in today's special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. See all my content back at it today. So happy about that. Also check out the Big D Podcast for your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So joining us from the great Northwest today, my friend, a writer with the NFL writer with uh, the, what is it, the league writers, the league winners, like one of those 89 mm-hmm. <laughs> nine, uh, NFL websites today, uh, Jesse Molo. So uh, Jesse, uh, <laughs> Jesse, uh, how far are you from me? Are you like as far away as you could be without me being in Miami, right? I'm pretty close to the border i'm about two hours from the canada america border so i'm about 30 minutes south of seattle give or take so i could basically make it to canada in about two and a half hours so i'm pretty pretty far away you could say that and i could make it to miami in about two and a half three hours give or take traffic which there always is traffic in my neck of the woods So, uh, well, about uh, about four or five weeks from the N- out from the NFL yeah. draft in Kansas City, and boy, uh, every conversation I hear about the draft is on quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. And I thought this year's draft class wasn't about quarterbacks. I thought next year's draft class would be the one that we talk about: Caleb Williams from SC or Drake May from UNC. Yeah, like we have some guys that we've been talking about for a while in CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. They've been known quantities that people love. They're Caleb Williams is kind of this he's what they call the generational prospect, right? Where where it was with Trevor Lawrence a couple like two years ago, where everyone was like, You gotta get this guy no matter what. So we will probably see this year a couple teams tanking just to get their hands on Caleb Williams. But they're still basically top four. And if you want to include Hendon Hooker, it's a top five, but he's older. He's 25, has an ACL injury. So his draft stock's all over the place. But you're going to see four quarterbacks in the first round, which is pretty exciting because it's first round quarterbacks that your team's investing. Um, and it just depends on if you want to take the ticket on Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. And they're the mystery boxes. CJ Stroud is basically, he's a lock for the first pick at this point. I think the betting odds have him pushing close to like negative 400. So it feels like everyone's on board with that. And then it just depends on if Houston takes Bryce Young, which they should. And then we'll get to my Seahawks and who knows what they're going to do. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun with these quarterbacks this year. So let's talk about these guys. Uh, CJ Stroud from Ohio State, Bryce Young from Alabama, Anthony Richardson from Florida, and Will Evans from Kentucky. Start with the guy you have at the top of the list. I don't care. It could be a, any one of them. All right. So if, if it was fantasy, it's a different game. But if, if I'm taking the real life quarterback, I'm for my franchise to start, I'm either deciding between Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Um, I don't want to do what Carolina did where they put this massive investment in draft capital into the position and it just outright fails because then you're screwed for like five years trying to fix that position. So they're, they're probably going to go the safer route, take Stroud. 
but he offers pretty much everything you could ask for. He's a pinpoint passes, uh, passer. He processes well. I know people have issues with Ohio State quarterbacks dating back through the years, but C.J. Stroud is a very good quarterback. And you see it even at the uh, the combine where he was just um, – I think it was McShay and Daniel Jeremiah were like, this is the best passing display I've seen in like the last 10 years where it was perfect, right on the money, with guys he's never thrown to before either. These were just guys at the combine. And he hit him in stride perfectly, and then he launches a 60-yard bomb just for fun. So he seems like the safest. Um, I'd say Bryce Young has been the best quarterback the last two years at Alabama. The things he's done was just remarkable. You can see clips of him on Twitter or YouTube or anywhere, and you see these moves he makes. It's kind of similar to Russell Wilson where he's able to evade because he's smaller and still diagnose hit a guy on stride 45 yards downfield. So either one of those guys I'd honestly be very happy with my team to take. Who does CJ Stroud remind you of? Because ever I've heard people compare Bryce Young with uh, Pat Mahomes, but yet I think he's more Russell Wilson, five ten, <laughs> good runner, can escape the pocket, but hugely, but but hugely accurate, which you have to be at somebody that's small. I mean, we saw what Drew Brees did with the Chargers and Saints, and you you were a first-hand witness for what Russ did for a decade. But mm-hmm. what does CJ – who does CJ Stroud remind you of? So you'll, you'll hear a lot of names where it's Jared Goff or Teddy Bridgewater, but with better arm strength. And I know that kind of gives people <laughs> question marks, like, why would you take this guy? But he he doesn't have the elite arm where he makes up for it is everywhere else. He doesn't have a bad arm either. It's not like it's a deficiency. But he does things really well. He's like you saw it in the national championship game against Georgia. Or sorry, the um, the semifinal against Georgia, where he was just playing out of his mind and he was basically carrying that team because Georgia is an incredible team and we saw them against TC what they did. But he's able to just go through his progressions find the guy and hit them perfectly. And you'll see this with particularly Marvin Harrison Jr., who's going to be someone we're talking about extensively next year. But he sets all of his players up to win. So he's the like the ideal point guard. He's, he knows the play, he diagnoses it, he gets it out in time where he makes his wide receivers look good. And that's what you want to see from a quarterback. He doesn't have to do everything where he has to, you know, scramble. He's not very much in that type of player. But from an actual processing and the prototypical thrower of the ball, he's very good at what he does. And I think what that Joe Georgia game showed from Stroud is that he could run because everybody's wondering, is CJ Stroud just a passer or a, or a dual threat option? And that game against Georgia showed Stroud can be a runner. Yeah, he's got – he doesn't do it often, but he kind of – which is nice to see. He more does it to the fact of like to keep the play alive. He's not going to really take off to run unless he has to, but he can move around the pocket. It's kind of like pocket mobility, which you saw Tom Brady do this for 20 plus years where the pocket mobility is fantastic where you think you're going to get him, but he just shifts up or moves up in the pocket and hits the guy. And the defender is just so frustrated because they can't touch him. Yeah, even back in the day, like Dan Marino was not going to win a 40-yard dash, but yet nobody could sack him because he his feet were so elusive in the pocket, even though it didn't seem like Marino's feet would be that quick. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, Bryce Young feels – I mean, 
I think if Bryce Young were like 6'3", 220 instead of 5'10", 195, he'd be number one, no questions asked, because what is there not to like except that he's maybe a little small? Right, that's that's the thing. People hate small, as they call them, small boys, but particularly at the quarterback position. Um, and you see, like, that's part of the reason you see a strategy for boost, because the connection with Frank Reich, like, he's always had these these monster quarterbacks, <laughs> these guys that stay in the pocket that are big, able to take hits. Like, if you look back at all the guys they had, Matt Ryan, big quarterback, <laughs> and Phillip Rivers, another big quarterback, like, these guys through the years, and Andrew Luck, he was a giant quarterback. But, like, that's kind of the prototypical quarterback. So if you get someone who's 5'10", and I know he weighed in at 204, I think it was, but people think it's water weight. So he's really small. He's not as athletic as Kyler either. So there is kind of a worry because he's not as like built as thick as he is. Like, can he stand up to a punt instrument? But he played in the SEC and dominated for two years. And like, I know there's a greater chance of injury just because he's smaller and he'll take a bigger punishment, but he's, he's passed every test you want. So if I had the choice and say if Bryce Young was 6'3", 220, like he would be consensus number one. But people hate the small guys, so we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, you know, Drew Brees is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Russell Wilson is going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I think what also helps Bryce Young is that he didn't necessarily play with wide receivers this past year. C.J. Stroud played with Marvin Harrison Jr., who's going to be the top wide receiver next year's draft. Mm-hmm. And he had Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, he, well, and the other guy, uh, Amuka Jigba, he's also going to be a first-round pick next year from Ohio State. So he's going to have two first-rounders next year. He had a first-rounder this year. It's just – and two first rounders with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. That would mm-hmm. be five first round wide receivers. <laughs> it's really absurd the amount of wide receiver talent Ohio State has. It's it's another level. Okay, and then maybe the two mo and the the one guy who I think possesses the widest range. Like you either love him or hate him. And it's Anthony Richardson because. He only started, what, uh, 13 games at Florida. But yet we all saw his combine numbers when he ran full, full 40, jumped out of the gym, looked like looked like a, a, a quarterback, different than Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. But is, CJ, but is Anthony Richardson just an athlete, or can he develop into a really good quarterback? That is the however much like thirteen million dollar question it's going to be, or whatever. I was going to um, say sixty four thousand dollar question. Like who wants yeah. to be a millionaire? Right. It's just it's it's terrifying. Um, you have to be willing to go all in with this guy and structure an offense, and that's going to highlight his skill set because he he's completely raw. Like quarterbacks who have played this limited amount just don't succeed. Like you're talking thirteen games, like starting quarterback who plays in the national championship Mike Lee plays more games than that in a season, right? And this is Anthony Richardson's career. And I know he was behind Kyle Trask last year and other guys like that, but it's still just, there's just massive question marks, but you see the tools and they, and they translate. The guy is the best, best athlete on the field, not like in the position, like on the field, when he steps on the field, he's legit the best, best athlete. So you're not going to be a better athlete than him. So he's always going to have that advantage. 
It's just if he can do the prototypical quarterback and be the guy you want. So whoever takes him, which could be the Seahawks, could be um, the Colts at four, or he maybe slides a little bit farther than that. They're going to have to structure an offense to like help him. And he'll likely sit just because he's so raw. You see, you see some of these traits like the game against Utah, everyone brings up where he was just, he did everything perfectly good. He dominated that Utah team, which ended up being, I think they were top 15 in the year, but he did everything he wanted. And that's what you're hoping to see from him because you'll get a lot of these Cam Newton comps where he's just this freak athlete. But the thing is, Cam Newton was a way more developed player by the time he entered the league. That's why he threw for almost 4,500 yards as a rookie. You're not going to see that from Richardson. But he has the traits where he has good skills. He just needs to work on footwork a little bit. He has a cannon of an arm. And he's able to, to diagnose plays. You see him reading the defense where it's not just one read and go. He'll like go to the second read and try to go to the third read before he scrambles and like runs. Um, the one bonus with him is his avoidance rate of sack compared to pressures is like a Patrick Mahomes level. Like he doesn't get sacked because he's so good at using his athleticism to keep the play alive and then he'll take it off. So you're not going to get a Justin Fields where he's getting sacks 50, 60 times each year. It's just, yeah, it's it's a terrifying proposition, but the upside is you get the the NFL like MVP of the league. So that's kind of the, the trade-off you take with Richardson. But – because he didn't start much in college, is he is it is Anthony Richardson a guy you would rather not play this year or even next year and just say, you know what, this guy, I'd rather develop you and then have you start maybe in 24 or 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I think that depends on the situation he goes to. So he's going to go early, but if he goes to a team that does not have, like, the players around him to help him, like, be better, it's going to be a struggle. So I would prefer him to sit and say if there's a veteran starter, they bring in someone like a Teddy Bridgewater or whatever he can learn under and kind of develop his skills to where he's more polished. But if he has good players around him, like I would happily throw him out there. As long as you're able to have him trust the reads and make the plays and he has his footwork under control, I'd be fine throwing him out there. So I'd say it's very team-dependent situation. If it's a good situation, We'll have to let him sit for a few games, then throw him in. Or if it's a team that's kind of a few years away from winning, then I would rather just rest him for this year and go for the next year. So if like what? So like Carolina drafting a number one is the worst case scenario. Yeah, like they have, like the, the line's not terrible, so it's okay. But you're just there's just not enough talent in Carolina. Like you got Adam Thielen now, and but outside of that, it's Shy Smith, Lavisca, Chenault, like. These guys, yeah, Terrence Marshall, the other guy. That's just they're just not uh, like unfortunately they're just not that good. So Anthony Richardson would have to carry that team. He'd have to do everything himself. And I'm Thielen's a nice get, but like you're just you're setting him up to fail at that point. It feels like. And then uh, Will Levis from Kentucky because I I I see one problem with Will Levis. He's too big, like he's too muscular. Yeah, he's a tank. He's, I mean, he's 6'4", like 230 or something. Like, he's a big boy. The difference with Will Levis is this dude's old. He's 24. So, he's not he's not young. So, that's a – and he has all these question marks around him still. He will go high. Like, he, someone is going to draft him. 
he terrifies me more than Richardson because he should be more developed. But you see these things where you're like, man, aren't you supposed to be like a good, like you've been around. He had to transfer to get to Kentucky to start because he couldn't get the job for like Penn State. So it's like, what are you getting here? And I know the tools are there. He's got a great arm and he can do it. It's just more, he gets comped to Jay Cutler and you, it's super frustrating because he has the talent to make it work. It's just sometimes he just makes bonehead decisions. But you watch the play and you're just like, what What did you see there? Like, And this is coming from someone like myself who's no scout or anything like that. But like I see it. So I know how NFL evaluators are going to see this where they're just like, I don't know what this guy's doing. But then, of course, he makes a spectacular play five plays later where he just throws an absolute cannon. 45 yards, hits a guy like in, in step and just catches it perfectly. So. You see the give and take with him. It's just he's a maddening like quarterback to scout. I would, I would be terrified to draft him. Honestly. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a big quarterback, but unlike Anthony Richardson, who I think can run, I'm, I'm afraid that Will Levin's almost too big. Yeah, I mean, like you he's remember not... uh, who was the cool Jamalcus Russell almost felt too big when the Raiders took him in early second, and I yeah, feel like if Will Levis could be one of those guys. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, seems like Mel Kaifa likes him, but I don't like mm-hmm. Will Evans more than more than other guys. I mean, if he's at the back half of the first round, I feel like that's better than a team taking him at like ten or so. Yeah, that would it would it would help him. It's just he constantly makes these poor decisions, and these are like reads. These aren't. These aren't him just like making bad throws. These are just bad reads he makes, which is why his career to like touchdown interception ratio is so high. And it's just, it's hard to like fix those guys, especially someone that has been around as long as he has, because he's been through the developmental process. Like he's supposed to be the senior, right? So like, obviously someone's going to have the ego to take him. Like, yeah, we can fix these issues. And hopefully they can, because like he's extremely talented. That's not, that's not a question mark, but it's just it's a big ball mystery with him. Like he he worries me more than every other quarterback, like by far. Like he's number four for a reason because of that, just because he's got so many issues. All right. So uh, now we talk about your Seahawks, and uh, it's rare that a playoff team a playoff team goes into a draft with a top five pick, but you Seahawks do. You have the Seahawks right now have the number five and number twenty picks. So. I think there are a couple of needs for you Seahawks. One, edge rusher, because uh, it seemed like every other Seahawks game I saw last year, you guys were playing shootouts. And and two, even when you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I think a number three wide receiver wouldn't hurt. So what would be your ideal draft scenario for the Seahawks? Because I've heard a lot of people say the Seahawks could take Anthony Richardson if he's there because – You've got Geno Smith there. He could sit behind Geno and then be ready to play in a couple of years. And Pete Carroll is not afraid to take gambles. But do the Seahawks go edge watcher? Do they take um, Jalen Carter from Georgia? I mean, what is your ideal draft scenario with Seattle? So the Seahawks play a 3-4, so Jalen Carter fits perfectly. So it is Tyree Wilson out of um, Texas Tech, who's just this freak athlete. He's like 6'6" has an 86-inch wingspan, which I think set the NFL combine record. Like, these guys are just monsters. (laughs) 
that you put them in and they can make plays. Now, Jalen Carter is a better prospect than the top guys that were last year. So he is tantalizing as heck. Like the things he can do on a field are just, they blow your mind. Um, but there's talk of either like Will Anderson possibly, depending on how the top four picks go. Like the Seahawks will have their choice of either one of those elite D linemen early, or they could go quarterback if they really want to go that route. I don't know if that's the best strategy for the Seahawks because they're nowhere near a top team like a San Francisco. Like they still have these issues. It's a good, it's a good core, but they need interior help on both sides of the line, like the O line and the D line, because we were bottom of the league in hurry rates. Um, our pressure rates weren't good, and the Seahawks just didn't blitz, so they were heavily reliant upon those D linemen to create pressures and sacks, and they just didn't. So you need those guys to be game wreckers up front, and we just. It's one of the worst D-line units in the league, so please take one of them. Um, I saw the Daniel Jeremiah mock where he had Jalen Carter going to five and then Jordan Addison at pick 20, which is a wide receiver out of USC. Now that's kind of two of the bigger needs that the Seahawks have, as you mentioned, so I was thrilled with that. Um, they could go someone like Kalijah Kansi, who's an interior D-lineman. He's kind of like reminds people of Aaron Donald, and they could take him at pick 20 if they wanted to go that route, if they go quarterback or or just stock up on D linemen. But those are the major needs for the Seahawks. They need a little bit of help in the back end. Like they have the two corners locked down. They did um, kind of address it a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see. I know someone said like Christian Gonzalez possibly out of Oregon would be another great addition just because he's so good. But realistically, I hope they attack both lines of both sides of the ball. Like get the D lineman, get the O lineman, and then get a wide receiver. Like that's kind of the ideal scenario because we have four picks in the first two rounds. So it's just like hit those early and often and hopefully build out from there. I mean, it uh, Addison does look tempting because I feel like people didn't get a chance to see what he did. But I mean, you look at Tyree Wilson at five, he is He's an uber freak. And if you look at it, if the Seahawks don't take a quarterback, if I mean if the, the big three of Stroud, Young, and Richardson all off the board, Seattle could very well end up with either Wilson, Stroud, Wilson, Anderson, or Carter, meaning you get one of the best defensive players in your Stroud. And I'm telling you think you think Seattle nailed this draft last year, getting two bookend tackles and uh Tyreek Wooden. You imagine with four picks in the top or the top what do you have? Of the top fifty picks. Yeah. Seattle could really get some key key guys because Seattle's not gonna have a top five pick presumably for the next few years unless all hell breaks loose. Right. That's kind of the so that's the the more thing they want to focus on is because the way they structured um Geno Smith's contract, it's really just a one year deal with they could get out of it after this year. So if they did find someone and they fall in love with their quarterback, they're likely never gonna have that chance again in the next five years or so. So it's do you take that gamble or do you trust Geno Smith who was very good? It's just he had to carry the defense along with his offense, which is really difficult for any quarterback if you have to like make up for how bad your defense is. And we saw this against San Francisco in the playoffs. It be it turned into this, like the scene from the replacements where it just kept getting worse and worse for Keanu Reeves because 
one turnover and near the end zone and then it just snowballed and it just snowballed and you're just chasing because you didn't have the talent to make up the difference. So getting those, like those premium edge rushers. And I know like someone like Carter or Wilson could play inside or outside on the line. They make a world of difference. So hopefully they go there and then take their favorite wide receiver pick 20. Like I would be all on board with that. I think, see, I think Seattle fans will like that too. You imagine DK Mecca, Tyler Luckett, and somebody else going on the outside. Oof. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice. I would open up a few running lanes for Kenneth Walker. <laughs> Just a few. So a uh, quick dynasty question. Uh what do you what free agent or trade move do you think impacted for dynasty leagues? What Agency or trade acquisition, do you think will have the biggest impact this year? It's probably Darren Waller because he becomes the locked in, like, target earner number one in New York. Like, it's going to run through him and Saquon Barkley. You could say maybe Miles Sanders going to Carolina, but that offense is TBD at this point. We just don't know how it's going to look. And while he did have a 50-catch season as a rookie, he has been kind of stone hands, as they call him, as of late. So I'm going to lean Darren Waller just because he's going to dominate the targets and be the guy. So he should be a high-impact tight end like he's been in the past. So it'll be exciting to watch him in New York. Yes, man. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see what DJ Moore, what Justin Fields and DJ Moore do this year because I think DJ Moore – will help make Justin Fields a better quarterback. And I think Justin Fields' mobility will make DJ Moore a better player. Yeah, DJ, DJ Moore is very good. He's just been stuffed in the horribleness that has been the Carolina quarterback situation his entire career. So it's exciting to get him with a quarterback who has the traits that Justin Fields has. Um, it's going to make Justin Fields. Uh, like, he has the potential to be the QB1 overall now. And it's just... If they pass enough, if they pass enough, DJ Moore will be a fantastic fantasy option. So hopefully they do. That's that's kind of what I'm hoping for DJ Moore because I love his talent. He's one of the better wide receivers in the league. When he keeps his head on straight, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I mean the Bears are gambling that Justin Fields can play this year, but I mean if Justin Fields plays this year. The Bears go in the next year's draft with two ones. It might not have to draft Caleb Williams or draft or May. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what the Seahawks are doing this year. They'll be doing next year. Well, they'll be because they're going to like they're going to add all that talent into the team. They're going to get better. So like next year is really the year where Chicago should be pushing into the playoffs to be a very good team. This is the year where they get a little bit closer and they'll be fringe, kind of like the Lions and. Like, the Jags made the playoffs last year, but, like, they'll be kind of knocking on the door. And if a few things break right, then it could work out. But if it falls flat, then, hey, guess what? You have an early first and potentially two early firsts with how Carolina does. Where it's like, oh, guess what? You just got Caleb Woods. And then you just move on and you get the best quarterback process. It's like Andrew Luck pretty much. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's pretty cool too. So they have – they are set up very well, I will say that. All right, Jesse, thanks for hopping on today. Uh, hopefully uh, things are not sleeping since Seattle come draft night and uh, Pete Carroll and John Snyder keep uh, reeling in young prospects. Let's hope so. <laughs> thanks for having me on today.